Hello, 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 and welcome to the With Love and Butter podcast, a chef's podcast on dating and relationships and all the food and drinks that get us through it. I'm Courtney Futch, your host. I am a baker of the last 10 years, chef and mixologist of the last seven, corporate marketing baddie for the last six, and most recently, a serial monogamous turned intentionally single person for the last year and a half. And today we're going to hop right into it with maybe one of potentially like the more controversial topics that we might end up talking about on this podcast, which is about simping, right? What the fuck is simping and why do I love it so much? All right. Now, Y'all are going to learn this about me very quickly, but as a mixologist, it wouldn't be natural to me if I did not, in fact, have a beverage while we were chatting. And today's beverage brought to you in a segment called What's Shaken? Get it? Get it? I know you get it. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. But our cocktail of today is this raspberry honey and rose water margarita, which is just delicious. It's bright. It's floral. It's got a little bit of like that punch, of course, from the fresh fruit. It's got a little kick of like lemon juice in it. Of course, there's the lime. So it's got that acidity. And of course, all of those beautiful floral notes and a little touch of sweetness from our honey, but like not in the same overwhelming sort of cloying way that you might you know, experience a margarita if there's like straight up sugar or simple syrup in it. So it's got a little bit of complexity, a little bit of texture, that floral sort of soft, almost like a fragrant note um, from our rose water. And it's really, really delicious. I've also rimmed the glass with some tahine honey and of course a couple rose petals because I wouldn't be me if I didn't. So we're going to go ahead and have a sip and then we are going to get into this episode. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, y'all. So what the hell is simping and why does Courtney love it so much? I would like to bring you all to our next segment, which is mise en place, right? You're going to hear me give you context about why we're even talking about this subject to begin with. So to get into our mise en place, let's, let's just like switch gears a little bit. Let's, let's take you all the way back to a high school Courtney. Now, something that I've recently reflected on and unpacked in therapy is the fact that I have always thought of myself as a sort of woman that you had to get to know before deciding I was beautiful. And no, that is not me fishing for compliments. It was just simply my experience. My experience has been that people have had to be in a space with me for a while before I ever got a physical compliment from them. And that was men, that was women, that's, you know, pretty much anybody that I was ever around. The compliments that I got for the majority of my childhood were like, oh, she's so talented or like, she's such a great speaker or, um, you know, how smart or how funny or how bright um, or just uh, how talkative. Um, some people saw that as a compliment, maybe me not so much. But despite that, um, those were very clearly the compliments that stuck out to me while I felt like I was also not receiving the sort of compliments that most little girls want to be complimented on, right? Um, maybe not little girls, but certainly when you're high school aged and like you're starting to develop and you feel very awkward and you're trying to find your sense of placement in the world, the last thing that you want to hear 95% of the time is like, oh, you're so bright. I want to be a bad bitch, right? So like that, it wasn't cutting it for me, okay? What's not clicking, Steve M? Um, and so growing up, I really didn't feel like I was a sort of like traditional beauty that my friends were. I thought my friends were absolutely stunning and they are, to this day they are, but I was sort of awkward, had a really big head, um, was, you know, always a little nerdy, 
certainly a bit chubby, very acne prone. And for the most part, I was overlooked throughout the majority of high school um, until I began to develop. Um, it made me a bit of a tryhard, right? And I went gleefully in the direction of any man who was funny and also paid me some attention. High school Courtney struggled immensely with self-esteem. And it could be that I attended a predominantly white high school in Sandy Springs, Georgia. That could be it. Um, but only a handful of women look like me there anyway. So there really just wasn't like a, a baseline where I felt like I sort of fit just like in the beauty standard when I was coming up in my early teenage years. Um, and it kind of begged the question for me as I've been thinking about myself and about like life, um, what is it about growing on people that makes you that much more cautious, that much more effortful, that much more maybe vulnerable, well, it's something that I have spent some time unpacking as I'm looking back over, you know, the last few of my romantic relationships, and I wanted to share those thoughts with y'all here today. So let's get into it. When I left for college, I was dating my very, very, very first boyfriend who will lovingly refer to as Letterman. Now, if you've listened to episode one, all of the full context is there. So I highly recommend that you go back and check that out. Um, but if you are already clued in, then you know that this man was like very crucial to my love story and my love history. Um, he cared for me very deeply and I felt the exact same way about him. In a behavior which I've since learned is called by the use of the internet simping. Uh, simping, per the Googles, is a term that describes doing way too much for the person that you like. Well, all that aside, me and this man dated for two years and did all manner of ridiculous things that only 17 year olds with too much time between classes could do. I would send him care packages to his school. He'd send letters to mine. He'd send me real sweet tea by the jug, real sweet tea. That's very important because baby, I'm still Southern and Syracuse only had that nasty ass iced tea everywhere all the time. And I do the, I mean that with all the shade of my heart, every little last ounce. Okay. We would do silly stuff like sleeping on Skype together because remember, of course, this is 2011 and uh, we must've used every love language at our disposal to keep feeling connected. Right. And in the end, the long distance it did us in after two years, which we're pretty happy together. But when I look back on that time, it is so clear to me that love looks like creativity, right? Love looks like, for me, poems written and pictures taken and using all the resources at your disposal and care applied. Since then, I've learned about myself that I can tell that I'm falling in love by how creatively I move through the world with this person in mind. So now let's fast forward, right? Let's get ourselves into the main courts. I've come to think of myself as a wholesome hoochie, right? And I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. I curate so much of my life with a very heavy, sensual touch. It's in my playlists. It's in my cooking. It's in my home spaces. It's in my color choices. It's in my outfits. It's in the florals that are always in my home. And friends or lovers who have been into my space can absolutely speak to this, right? Through and through and through, I am like an old soul wholesome hoochie. So naturally, before there was ever the more public journey of hashtag Court and Courtney was the impulse that I understood as being cared for by Courtney, right? Because I'm definitely an OG lover girl. 
I'm recovering. I'm doing, I'm, I'm doing my level best, right. Uh, to navigate <laughs> through those particular feelings. But the number one thing for me, as I'm learning about myself and sort of reflecting back on my time, um, as an intentionally single person is that part of my love language and like my, my wooing language is, uh, creation. And thing number one, this is the number one indicator that I'm starting to like your ass is I'm a playlist creating ass bitch. One thing about me, if I like you, I'm going to make you a playlist or at least bare minimum, I'm going to send you a slew of songs that I think that you would enjoy. The songs are for your enjoyment, but they're also telling you something about me, right? Um, And I feel like that's like really important. And that might start after we've been on like our third phone call. Once I feel like I have like a pretty good gauge for like who you are, like what your vibe is, maybe we've had one or two conversations about music. I'm going to start sending you recommendations and they're all going to slap. And I know they're going to slap. I go very confidently, okay, towards Spotify at every opportunity that I freaking get, okay? I love curation. It is thoughtful. It is, um, it is kind, right? It is an, it is an I'm thinking of you, but digitally. And I think that there's something really cool about that because as intangible as music is, the feelings of it are really tangible. And like, I just, I sort of took that with me. And I also feel like it's one of the many ways that I find myself setting a tone going into a dating situation. So you know what sort of energy to expect from me, because that is very much what the rest of our relationship is going to look like. Um, But, you know, let's say we have a date. And I decide, you know, I like you. Okay, cool. Like we've we've got something, something is going on there, right? The likelihood is also high that I am then going to bake for you. I might wait until like interaction three or four in person, but it will not be long. It is almost never long that if I like you and you know I like you, you should prepare to be baked for in some way, shape or form. Um, And a lot of that is because I just, I, you know, I'm a baker. That's what I do. It's what I do by trade. I bake for fun and I will either bake something specifically for you, but more often than not, like to keep things kind of casual in the early stages, I will just be making something else and bring you some of whatever it is that I've created. Um, and it keeps a little bit of the pressure off, you know, off of me. Um, but there are so many instances of me just baking for men that like I was really into and attempting to woo always, always, always attempting to woo, right? Ruling is fun. Um, and I feel like people do not talk about that enough, but, um, let's get into a couple of like my most, I would like to think iconic, um, dating scenarios, um, with, guys who I've baked for. Um, These were like some really funny moments and they stood out to me as I was sort of thinking about what I wanted to talk about. And for me, baking is very much a part of like my simping hierarchy, right? Like in in like my character arc as a simp, it's absolutely up and through there. So um, if you listen to the last episode, uh, which is episode one, I highly recommend that you do because it provides a lot of very helpful context. Um, But then you will remember that my college boyfriend, my other college boyfriend, um, who I dated after Letterman, was Newton. 
right? And Newton and I were not even dating for real yet. Like we were just kind of like in the very early stages, kind of getting to know one another, um, you know, what you call like the talking stage um, when his alphaversary was coming up. He was a member of Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated. Um, I am not Greek, but I have like a huge affinity for, you know, like the sisterhood and the brotherhood of D9 organizations. And so, um, you know, and because he was just somebody that like I was, I was interested in when his first alphaversary came up, um, in the spring of 2013, I was so excited. I was like, Oh, I'm finna bake for this man. And he does not know what's about to hit him. Well, it ends up being a very funny story because you know, their colors are black and gold. So I make them a black and gold velvet cake. I make it for him, for him to share with his line brothers. And, um, I bring him this cake. I took a day off from class so I could just really be in my home kitchen. I skipped like three or four classes that day to like be home and bake. And this cake was, in my personal opinion, really beautiful. I decorated it with all the insignia and all the things that, you know, you, you do um, really beautiful golden like white frosting. And then you slice into the cake and there's a layer of like black velvet, gold velvet, and then another black velvet layer. Well, you know, I bring it, I'm like really excited. I drop it off um, because he wasn't home and I knew that he had like a class I was running late that day. So I leave it with his roommate and later on that night, like he gets home and he's like, oh my gosh, like, thank you so much. Like he calls me, he's all excited, whatever him and his, you know, LBs, his line brothers are going to go and slice said cake, right? Super cute, right? Really fun, whatever. Um, the next morning I get a phone call and, um, he's like, uh, court. And I was like, yes, Newton. Um, he's like, uh, um, uh, my poop is bright green. And I was like, excuse me? And he was like, yeah, but like, it's not just me. It's also every other line brother is just shitting Kelly green. And I was like, "Uh uh-huh. So, um, I took another look at the black food coloring, you know, cause I had another bottle. And when you really look at it, the, the undertones of McCormick black food coloring are deeply, deeply green. And also not meant at all to be eaten in such large proportions. Okay. Um, there were two whole ounces of black food coloring in there. Cause I wanted it pitch black. Okay. From a white batter to make it black. Like you got to really like add a lot of pigment, you know? And I was just like, oh my God, no, I'm so sorry. And he was like, no, this is like the funniest thing. But none of us at first, everybody was just going through this in their own homes, trying to figure out why the hell their poop was was bright green. And I just thought that was the funniest thing. Uh, he and I ended up together shortly thereafter. Um, and every so often that story will come up whenever I see any of his line brothers like out in the world. And they'll be like, do you remember that time that you made a cake for our first anniversary?" And then like all of us were just like, you know, pooping grass green. And I was like, yeah, I do. I do remember that. But like great times, you know what I'm saying? Fond memories. Um, now, one of, I think maybe my more uh, notable moments, right, as like a, a baker who is just simping so hard is when I met um, my two-year ex, Wade. Uh, we call him Wade. Um, because does anybody remember Kim Possible? Um, and the character Wade was like a cybersecurity, you know, cyber guy, right? Like he was just, he was helping them out. They were fighting crime. They were doing all the things. Um, and I say all the time that like, that's who he reminded me of. 
um, in terms of like the vibe. But anyway, um, when Wade and I were in the very early stages of our dating life, uh, very, very early as in we had been on the phone, I think consecutively for like a week or two straight because like he was traveling, it was around Thanksgiving. I was traveling because it was around Thanksgiving. And so finally we're able to get together. And, um, one of the first times or the first time that this man comes to my house, um, I, <clears throat> hold on, wait. Mm -hmm. I had to take a, I got to take a sip for this. We got to lubricate for this one. Um, the first time that this man came over to my house, we got very drunk, very drunk, drinking scotch, no less. Um, but I, because it had just been Thanksgiving, I'd made this brown butter bourbon pound cake and had no real intention of like saving him a full cake. That seemed aggressive. That seems like a lot, but as one is prone to doing, I did save him like a quarter of the cake. Uh, this is again, very early, right? This is some simp shit to do. Um, but it was my spirit. It sizzled in my spirit. And so I, um, you know, warmed him up a slice while we're drunk. Uh, parents, I've already told you, you should not be listening to this podcast. My parents, specifically John and Teresa, you know who you are. If you are still listening, baby, you're going to want to go ahead and get out. I'll give you a couple seconds, please. And thank you. All right. So, um, you know, it was very much like part of my seduction path. I knew exactly what I was going to do. I was like, okay, all right, cool. Yeah. Cause I want this one. And I heated up the cake, right? Heated up a slice, brought him some milk. Terrible idea after all the scotch we've been drinking. We brought him some milk anyway. And sit in his lap, but like facing him in his, fa in his face. And I feed him this warm brown butter bourbon pound cake. Now, baby, I, I can't share the recipe with y'all. This is, this is the, this is the one I'm keeping it in my back pocket for future use. Okay. Because hopefully I'll need to break it out again in the very near future. But in the event that I do not, nonetheless, it's a really good recipe, but I can't come up off this one. Uh, we were exclusive a week later. Now I'm not saying that like I bake to progress the relationship forward, but I would like to point out what is becoming a pattern here that the presentation of a baked good usually is a great uh, catalyst uh, for exclusivity, all right? And then in, I think my like more recent years of, you know, my year and a half of like being single and kind of out in the world, there was a guy that I dated and we'll do a full, he's going to have to get a full, actually everybody gets a full episode, um, but we'll call him F, mm, we'll call him 550. We'll call him 550. Um, and 550 and I went on really great first dates, like really, really just great, great first couple dates when we finally decided that like, you know, we were going to take it to the next step. Um, and I was like staying at his house. It was maybe like my second or third time staying. And I'd woken up early that morning because I needed to go and meet my really good girlfriend um, in Brooklyn for lunch. Now, um, I used to live in Jersey City. 
Um, and so I was like, okay, like I, you know, I got to get up. I got to go. Da, da, da. And he was like, oh, like, where are you going for brunch today? And so I tell him we're going to the Commodore in Williamsburg. Now, if you're in Brooklyn, I currently believe that their kitchen may or may not, their kitchen did in 2021, um, have a really big fire. They had a huge kitchen fire. So their kitchen was closed for a while. I am not actually sure if their kitchen has like returned to being open, but if it has, I would just like to point out that it is hands down some of the best fried chicken I have had in, in the borough of Brooklyn. And they have these little biscuits, these little tiny square biscuits, super fluffy, super laminated, beautiful. Um, and they serve them with like three different types of honey butter. So they have a honey hot sauce, just regular hot sauce, hot honey butter, and then like one other buttered honey something or another. I don't know, but damn it, it was very, very good. And because I'd already been there before and I knew what the vibe was, I was like, okay, cool. So when he asked me where I'm going, I tell him. He was like, oh, that sounds like really delicious based on the way that I was describing it. And I was like, yeah, okay, cool. See you later. Bye. And I go on about my day. Well, when I'm coming back home, I hit him up and I'm like, hey, now mind you, he lived in Newark. Um, so Newark is further out than Jersey City from the city. If I'm going to the city, I'm going like east, but Newark is out west for like where I live in Jersey City. So... I like had driven all the way out to Brooklyn. I was there for like a full day, but I picked up food for him. Like a box. I ordered him his own like fried chicken meal so that he too could experience the deliciousness that is the Commodore. And then like put it in my car and then drive to Newark, which is past my house to go drop it off to him. So I call like, I don't know, maybe when I'm like 20 minutes out and I'm like, Hey, are you home? And he was like, yeah, I just got back in not too long ago. I was like, all right, cool. I'll be outside in 20 minutes. And he was like, huh? And I was like, yeah, I'll be outside in 20 minutes. I have something for you. He was like, oh, okay. So, uh, I get to his house. I'm like, Hey, I'm outside. He's like, okay. Aren't you going to park in the garage? I was like, no, I'm outside. Meet me in the front. He comes outside, meets me in the front. Um, and he's like, Hey, and I'm like, hi, what's up? I have this for you. So I brought him that and also um, the the milk bar pie, right? Which used to be known as crack pie, a banger, right? Um, and he hadn't had that either before. So like I bring that to him in a little gift bag and kiss him on the cheek and I go home. It was all I came to do, sir. It was literally all I came to do. He got me like three minutes later and he was like, you, you're not gonna stay? Baby, no. I told you I had something for you and now I'm going home. I'm going home. It was really good to see you. We were just together. I just wanted you to have this damn chicken because it's real good. And I don't know the next time I'm going to go out to Brooklyn. I'm glad that I brought him some because now that I haven't had that chicken in well over a year. And I think about it all the time. The Commodore people, if you're listening, baby, you know, you can always send me some. You can always send me some. I will send you dry ice money. But that's neither here nor there, right? Um, and so shortly thereafter, Homeboy and I fell in really tightly. Me and 550 uh, fell in really, really, really tightly. But um, exclusivity was not something that was on the table as part of my promise to myself to stay single for at least a year. Um, and, you know, things were things were cool, right? We're like, we're rolling along, we're rolling along. But then it brings me to one of my more recent experiences in simping, right? Like my most recent simp attempt uh, was with someone who TikTok has come to know as the favorite. Um, but for all intents and purposes of this podcast, we will call him Polaris, right? Um, he's definitely got one of the more interesting nicknames, that's for sure. Um, but we dated, we went on a singular date in April of 2021. 
when like I first became single and I was so smitten with this man y'all like it really didn't make no sense how like into him I was um but the timing was just kind of like off he had a lot of life things going on I had a lot of like early dating things that like I was figuring out and I knew even then that like I did not need to possess him in order to just like appreciate what I what I saw then that he brought out in me right so I was like, all right, you know, like, cool, whatever. Things like they don't pan out first go around, fine. Um, you know, he remained sort of like this question mark in my mind for a while. There will ultimately be two episodes on Polaris and we'll we'll get into that later down the line um, because he taught me so much. That relationship, that brief dynamic taught me a lot because we reconnected in April of this year in 2022. And uh, when we reconnected, the vibes picked up almost immediately where they'd been left off. Um, everything was like really, really cool. Things are going well. The vibes are immaculate. Um, this man makes me feel seen, um, heard, wanted, desired, all of the things that like you really want to be feeling in a dating situation. Um, but the thing that stood out to me the most was the creativity that sort of came back out of me after any of our interactions. I was, I was real, baby, I'm down bad. Okay. Um, but in my latest simp attempt, I, um, I knew I was going to be seeing him like one of the days that we were supposed to be getting together or whatever. And I was like, oh, like I would like love to bake for him. It's been a very long time since I've baked for, um, for a man, you know, like, it's been a little minute. Yeah. This feels kind of nice. Like, let's do it. So I make him this banana bread, um, which I really, really love. I love banana bread. I'm like known for my banana bread. And, um, I brought it to him with, you know, like wrapped, like gift wrapped, um, with a little jar of homemade whipped brown butter, because I, I feel like that he deserved to not have to think about breakfast for the week. And I also very much wanted to be like on his mind. I did. I did. Okay. Um, a recurring pattern for me is that all of my other loves show up in my romantic love, right? All of my creative loves show up in my romantic love. Um, even like the way that I've, I have experienced like my parents loving me shows up in my romantic love. So it is of absolutely no surprise to me at all that like when I start to feel loving feelings for someone, I am pulling out every single loving tool in my arsenal, right? And for the most part, I think to the extent that like we are calculating, um, uh, to the extent that we are calculating success in love as learnings every single time that I like put myself back out there in that way, it was really fruitful for me. Um, and so I have absolutely no regrets about the ways that I have chosen to simp. Um, but then the same thing is true, I think as a recipient, right? Um, a couple of things that really came up for me is that flowers, for example, really act as like punctuation marks for me in romantic relationships. I remember literally every bouquet that I've ever gotten. And I think that stands out to me so much um, because flowers are, especially in New York, right? So easy to come by. 
every bodega has them. Every corner store, for the most part, has, you know, buckets of flowers and beautiful, beautiful flowers out, um, you know, at the, the, the front of like their entrance. And, you know, they're, they're easy enough to come by. But I think that somebody's decision to stop and pick up something for you uh, that would elicit joy, romantic, platonic, or otherwise is just such a a really beautiful thing, particularly in a city like New York, where yes, it is accessible, but New York is not a city that slows down very much, right? Um, and so for someone to take the time to bring you flowers is so thoughtful um, and much appreciated. And um, I don't know, I must have received, I think, 14 or 15 a dozen or more at a time, I guess, um, bouquets of flowers while I was just out here in the world being single. And I've always appreciated that. Always appreciated it. But anyway, um, you know, when I think about simping from like, as someone who is dating me, like from that perspective, um, I think that the new language for it has kind of moved to like applying pressure on applying pressure. And what does that mean? Right. And the version of applying pressure that I've come to understand, um, is one of both vulnerability and then too good timing. Right. Uh, you know what they say, everything is for the plot. And, I think for me, I even remember every first kiss, right? Uh, whether I was, you know, with 550 standing at a crosswalk um, in downtown Jersey City and like the wind is blowing and it's cold and it's Memorial Day weekend. And so it shouldn't have been cold anyway, but like the wind is blowing and um, he like goes to like move my hair out of my face and I like look up at him. And then we kiss or, you know, with, with, a, with a different man who we'll call Deej. Um, and you know, we're, we're closing out at the restaurant. Cause like, for whatever reason, me and all my dates tend to be the last people at the restaurant that we're eating at. Um, and he stood, he has, he'd gone up to like, go to the restroom, came back and like stood, I don't know, maybe three or four yards away from our table um, just looking at me, looking at me for a while before I realized, cause I certainly wasn't like looking around and paying very much attention at all. Um, I think I was responding to a text from my mother, which is very likely cause she likes to make sure that I'm not in fact being kidnapped during my dates. Um, but he stood there watching me for like moments before he walked back to our table and like holds my face like this and kisses me. Like all of these things were like so good or like, mm, mm. and then there, well, and then Detroit, you know, which is what we'll call, what we'll call him, um, standing on the F train platform and slow dancing to Anita Baker, which was playing on his phone pocket or like, and it's playing on his phone in his front pocket of his shirt, um, to rapture of love and slow dancing in front of like 20 strangers and probably a million and three New York city rats. Like those are the things my idea of applying pressure is about like being vulnerable in the moment and like putting yourself out there and also having just enough sense of like timing that the likelihood of rejection might be low, right? The likelihood of rejection in these cases was always incredibly low, right? And in those ways, their version of applying pressure was very successful for them. I think in addition to that, right, like there is, there's a level of vulnerability that I really appreciate about compliments. If you follow me on TikTok, you've heard me say this before, that compliments in my mind are a form of community, right? But compliments in dating or community building, compliments are a form of community building. Um, but compliments, I think in dating serve as a bridge. Um, a good one requires attention to detail. It requires 
the effort, right? It requires, um, it actually, I'd even say it demands no reciprocation. A good compliment is one that you simply give because you feel like it deserves to be given. Um, I have been my most loved, I think, by men who found that compliments were easy for them to give and who dared to adore me out loud, no matter where we were in any given moment. And I've always appreciated that. Um, and it actually reminds me, it reminds me of Detroit, um, which is one of hands down my best dating relationships with a man you will eventually hear a full episode about later down the line. Um, but we've been in each other's lives for like four years and, um, it's kind of a funny story, but we went on our first date in 2018. Um, And it was right at the time that I'd met my other ex, uh, or it was right at the time that I met my last ex. Um, and you know, the vibe was like so good, right? Like the vibes were just like really immaculate, but I do think that our timing was off a notch. Our first date was after I'd already met, um, you know, the guy who I eventually ended up dating. And so I went where there was a little bit more longevity, Despite that, though, you know, the way that things ended, it was a really chill sort of like conversation. Uh, we wrapped things up with like a, a festive little bow. Um, and, you know, we both knew that like the appreciation for each other was there, but like that this was not the timing to try to pursue um, a relationship between the two of us. And we were both cool with that. Um, he did follow me on Instagram for like a while. Um, for like those two years, never really said very much, was always incredibly respectful of my relationship. We simply didn't interact like that, but like, it was just cool to like, kind of like know what, you know, each other had going on. Um, but anyway, we were on this date in 2018 and he gave me a compliment that I think like made my ears hot. Okay. It like, it sent my full face a flush. Um, so we're sitting across from each other at this Italian restaurant. Um, it's late on like a Thursday and he's just staring at me and I'm like, Detroit, what are you, what are you staring at? Um, and I was like, what's, what's going on? Like you good? Like, is there parsley in my teeth? Like what's cracking? And he just kind of smiles and he says, yo, you are cartoonishly gorgeous what? What? Um, I, to this day, to this day, when I think about that, um, it is a master class in compliment giving, right? If you're going to compliment somebody's physical appearance, please say something other than you're really pretty. Or I would slurp an oyster out of your, well, don't say that either. Uh, well, I mean, maybe don't say it to me but someone else would really appreciate that. You know what I'm saying? Um, but there was an authenticity to it. Um, he was like a huge fan of anime still is. Um, and so I knew that like the cartoonishly piece of that was like from truly from his own idea of like what beauty is and means. And as somebody who appreciates the art form of anime, it was a really endearing compliment to receive. To this day, it is one of my favorite compliments. I've gotten like three that just stick out to me, but that's number one. And that one's so much number one that I will not even tell you the other two. I'm not even gonna, they're not close. They were just also nice. You know what I'm saying? Um, so yeah. And I just really appreciated that. It was an honest moment. Um, and for that, 
uh, not just because of that, but with the care that he has always handled me with and with the open adoration that he has always approached me with um, is also why he and I stay in touch. Um, and we resumed dating, um, however, un like unexclusively, unexclusively um, last year. Right. So the vibes are great. Super respectful. Top tier compliment. It stuck with me for four years. Four years. Okay. Just chef's freaking kiss. Delicious. Okay. Um, but I think what it really comes back to for me is that like simping that level of vulnerability, that level of honesty, that level of just like unabashed appreciation for someone is absolutely a requirement for me, um, on both sides, right? Because that is also the way that I show up in my love for other people is with a degree of appreciation that I imagine, or I've been told is intoxicating. I have been told on three separate occasions by three very different types of men that like the way that like my light shines on the people that I'm dating is an intoxicating way. That's incredibly flattering to hear. Uh, for that word choice, I think more specifically to be used is something that I'm really working on interrogating like with myself. Not that I think it's a bad thing. It's certainly not a negative. But what I do think it is, is it's a theme, right? And so I am always working on um, and thinking about what are the ways that I'm showing up in the world and how am I making people feel? If, if there's a sort of woozy, dizzying, intoxicating, you know, magnanimity to the love that like I am sharing with people, then that means that in the ways that I want to, I am doing something right. And for everything else, it means that there's room for adjustment. And I really love that for me. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I think something is fun, man. I think that people should do it more often. I, I desire to like inspire someone to simping. I think that that is beautiful. I think it keeps things flowing when folks aren't so worried about just like looking cool. If you're so worried about looking cool that you can't enjoy the warmth of a crush, then like, baby, why are you dating? Why do this? Why do any of this literally at all? Um, so yeah, don't be afraid to simp y'all. It's sexy. It's sexy. Everything in proportion, right? Everything like, you know, in appropriate levels to like what you're getting from this person that you are in your dating and, you know, romantic relationships with. But I think don't be afraid to put yourself out there and be a little bit more vulnerable and write a handwritten note or, you know, bake somebody something or like cook for them. All of those things are very endearing, especially when you know that like there is a mutual level of, of, um, or there's a reciprocal level of like there, you really cannot go wrong. Now, um, y'all, you know, I truly wouldn't be me. Um, if when we're talking about simping, we don't talk about baking, right? So let's get into the spread, right? This is our next segment. Um, and like I said before, baby, I can't share my brown butter bourbon pancake with y'all. I'm keeping that one in the vault. You know what I'm saying? That's very much like an engagement cake. There's pregnancy cornbread, which I do have on my socials, but then there's, then there's engagement cake. And that's, it's very different. But this banana bread recipe is one that I made for, you know, formerly the favorite, if you know, you know, um, but his name, you know, for the purposes of, of this podcast is Polaris. And um, it is a cardamom and orange brown sugar banana bread, 
with dark chocolate and pistachios and flaky sea salt sprinkled on top and a side of whipped brown butter. It's earthy. It's kind of subtly sweet. It's moist and it's rich, but it's certainly not heavy. You know, she's balanced. And as always, you can find the visuals and the written recipe on CourtneyFutch.com. So please go ahead and check that out if you're interested in tasting the brown butter. Actually, you know what? Hold on, wait. Okay. This, I'm going to have to insert the text message that I got about this brown butter banana bread. So good. So good. And I will let you know, there's a testimonial. Okay. So just keep that in mind because it slaps. It absolutely slaps. Um, and because of course, all is paired in Love and Forks. Um, I'd recommend a lovely chilled Chardonnay if you're interested in drinking a little bit of vino with this banana bread. It's like light enough that you can absolutely have it as a breakfast bread, um, but it's also, you know, sort of like well-spiced um, and certainly rich, but not like overwhelming enough that you could also have it as like a light dessert or just like as a midday snack. But either way, if you'd like to pair it with wine, I do recommend like a lovely chilled Chardonnay Preferably something with tropical notes to accentuate the sort of melon and vanilla um, undertones of overly ripe bananas. Um, but of course, lastly, because I'm not me, if there's no song pairing, um, I'll share a song that became the backdrop to my simpiest summer romance. Um, and that was my last summer, last summer. 2021, honey. Uh, so the song is called Pink and Yellow by Calatechnus. And it starts in like this really sort of like sultry, almost like Brooklyn coffee shop sort of timber. And it shifts about halfway through into something that's like groovy and a kind of lighthearted disco jam. It's got like a really great upbeat sort of vibe there in the last minute or so of the song. Um, and of course, this song and so many other curated jammy jams can be found on my All is Paired in Love and Forks playlist right on Spotify, which will be linked below. Now in one additional segment, we're introducing a new segment called Just the Tip. And this is essentially like the TLDR too long didn't read of this podcast. Here's how to simp well, right? And this applies to all of us, all genders, if you're dating somebody currently. Um, and by dating, I don't mean like you guys are even in an exclusive dynamic yet. This means like you've been on like three or four dates three or four in your third or fourth date, stop by Trader Joe's and pick up some $7 flowers for whoever it is that, you know, you've, you've been out with. If you're liking them, do it. Um, especially if you are someone who dates men, go get them roses. The first time that so many men receive flowers is at their funeral service. And I think that we should all just continue to love on each other, give each other our flowers while we have the opportunity to do so. And I guarantee you that it is going to make their day. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. All right, y'all. So that is episode two of With Love and Butter, a chef's podcast on dating and relationships and the food and drinks that get us all through it. In next episode, we'll be talking about the intimacy of handwriting and my infamous brown sugar steak rub. So don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. I'm your host, Courtney Futch. Keep it simping, y'all. Bye.